The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everybody, it's Pastor Doug Bursch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm going to talk about fire today, the fire of God. Think about Moses when he confronted that burning bush in the wilderness. What a crazy sight that was. Seeing the glory of God is fire. The fire of God on Mount Sinai. People afraid to go up there and Moses walking right into it to receive the Ten Commandments and how to abide with God. Fire on the day of Pentecost. Fire as something we welcome. Fire as something we run away from. Fire as something that we can have inside us. Today is all about the fire of God on the Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm so glad you could join me. This is the Friday edition of the Fairly Spiritual Show, which means we're broadcasting on the radio. We broadcast twice a week, if I can, you know, get that podcast up on Wednesdays, Uh, but once on the radio, and uh, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes and on SoundCloud. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org to find more information. You can also text me at any time, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513, especially if you listen on the radio. I'm trying to see how many people listen on the radio versus podcast versus other forms. 360-818-4513. If you'd like to support this radio broadcast or you want it to go into other markets, feel free to donate at fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. Wow. In the Northwest, we have had some weather. We had a snow event I put with air quotes, and uh, I hope we have no more snow events. Uh, Truly some amazing weather. It was fun for a while, but I don't think anyone around here is saying, I hope it continues, unless you just don't have kids that ever need to go to school, or you don't ever need to go to work, or I I don't know. I, I guess there's someone out there who just wants to be stuck in their house every day, all day. But it was fun, but let's get spring a-coming, right? Let's do that. On today's show, I want to talk about uh, the fire of God. And I was looking at fire in different contexts, and uh, I I just want to ask you this question. Do you have the fire of God in you? What do you think when I ask you that question? Do you have the fire of God in you? And when I say the fire of God, what do you even think of? And uh, does that sound like a good thing? If I'd say, hey, the fire of God is coming, does that make you feel good? (laughs) Or does that make you uh, nervous, want to head for the hills? So I, I want to talk about the fire of God, especially in relationship to uh, Acts 2 and tongues of fire. And uh, I was looking at tongues of fire and how powerful that passage is, that tongues of fire rested on everyone in the upper room, and that tongues of fire, or divided tongues of fire, are something that is available to every single one of us. And so that's kind of how I started this journey And so I'd like to share the journey with you as well. So I guess in order to do that, I'm just going to read from Acts 2. So uh, we'll we'll go Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. I think there's like 120 people at this time, uh, men and women. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
and divided tongues as of fire. So let's look at divided tongues, okay? And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Prigia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya and maybe even Yelm, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only the third hour of the day. And a friend of mine pointed out, I thought this passage just about the fact that people think they'd be drunk. You know, these look like people be drunk, and Peter's like, it's too early to be drunk. But a person pointed out to me, like, also, they would still be fasting at this time, and so you wouldn't be drinking anything. But still, they assume this would be a room full of drunks. But they're like, no, hey, we, we, you know, we've been fasting, not drinking. This is not something we'd be doing. So he says, the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And, and by the way, that's just one big picture. Like in, in our Western world, in our modern world, we like to make that a bunch of points, but it's one big point. In the last days, you're going to prophesy. The dreams, the visions, all those things are one big picture. You're going to know God's will. You're going to see God's will. You're going to be able to speak God's will. That's all the prophetic. At some level, we're going to know God's will in the last days. And he goes on, he says, And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fires. You have blood, the, the crucifixion of Christ. You have fire, which is being seen in that room right there, and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness. We know the sun has turned to darkness, the crucifixion of Christ, and the moon to blood. And I think there was a blood moon around the time of Christ's crucifixion as well. So that has all happened at that time. So, so all this will happen before the day of the Lord's coming, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you could go on there, but I want to just focus in on something that happens in that room that's pretty powerful and why it matters to us. Uh, the scripture says that divided tongues of fire rested on the people. Divided tongues of fire. Now, first, you need to understand the context of what they're doing. They're gathering on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, they gathered for a very specific reason. They would celebrate on Pentecost the giving of the law. They celebrate on the day of Pentecost the whole event of Moses going up on Mount Sinai to be able to receive the law and receive the instructions of how the Israelites were supposed to abide with God. So if you look at the Jewish calendar, there was Passover, and Passover is freedom from bondage and freedom 
from being in Egypt and being enslaved. That's Passover. And then you have uh, Pentecost, which would be 50 days after that. Penta, 50. You got seven weeks, 49 days. The 50th day after that is Pentecost. And on Pentecost, they would celebrate Moses going up to the hill, this whole event of him receiving the law and how to abide with God. That's, that's written in Exodus. Much of Exodus is not really about leaving uh, Egypt, but it's really about Moses receiving these elaborate instructions on how the people of Israel were supposed to abide with God and the Ten Commandments. So on the day of Pentecost, the disciples are all waiting. They're waiting for something to happen because they're not supposed to go out yet and do anything. They're supposed to be waiting to be clothed with power from on high, right? And so on that day, they're reading about how uh, Moses received the law. They're reading about this is how the Israelites lived. Once they were freed from bondage, they had to wait in order to know how to live. And they waited for the law to be given and for instructions about the tabernacle to be given. And once those instructions came, this was how they were supposed to live. Now, those instructions came to Moses through fire. That there was a fire that would rest on the hill on Mount Sinai. It was a fire so great that everyone was afraid to go up there. Only Moses could go up there, but there was this fire that rested on that hill. The hill that Moses went up to in order to receive the Ten Commandments. There was a fire on the tabernacle where only Moses could enter or the priest could minister. There was a fire on the tent of meetings where only Moses could go in. Only Joshua could go in. So whenever the glory of the Lord expressed itself, whenever God expressed his glory, there was a fire. Whenever God expressed himself of, this is what I want you to do, this is how I want you to live, this is how I want you to be, there was a fire. The fire was so great, the glory was so great that people would see that glory. They would see the glory so great that Moses wore a veil over his face. When Moses first confronted God, or when God first confronted Moses, God confronted Moses through a fire. There was a fire, a burning bush. And then from that burning bush, God spoke to Moses. So think about this. On that day of Pentecost, when they're celebrating the giving of the law, when they understand that God gave his instructions on how to live, he gave his instructions on how to abide, he gave the Ten Commandments uh, on, on how to build the, the, the tabernacle, on all these things, he gave it by bringing down his presence in the form of fire. On that day, this mighty rushing wind comes in, and tongues of fire, this tongue of fire divides, and that fire rests on every single person in the room. Not one person, not just a Moses, not just a Peter, but on every single person in the room. The divided tongue of fire, the glory, the fire rests on every single person we're going to look at that significance when we come back. Much more to come. Hey, I so much appreciate you listening to this show. The fact that you listen, that you prayerfully support us, that you financially support us makes all the difference in the world. Your financial gifts matter to keep this radio show on. I'd like to take it into other markets. I'd like to keep it on this station as well. In order to do that, I need you to donate. Go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today. Fairlyspiritual.org, your gift of $25, $50, $100 keeps the show on this station. And if we could raise a little bit more, I would bring it into other markets as well. Fairlyspiritual.org. Also, please text the show, 360-818-4513. 
That's 360-818-4513, particularly if you're listening to the show on radio. 360-818-4513. Thank you for listening and supporting. Okay, so I'm getting a little theological here, but we might as well do that. Uh, I hope you wanted to get a little deeper into the Word, and hopefully this is something new for some of you. On the day of Pentecost, it says that this divided tongue of fire rested on every single person in that room. And and I want to show you why this was so important, because on the day of Pentecost, they were all reading scriptures about the giving of the law. So when the law was given, the law was given to Moses where he was on a mountain, Mount Sinai, and that mountain had the fire of God resting on that mountain. And that fire was so terrifying to everyone else that no one else wanted to go up that mountain. Only Moses could be near that fire. Moses was near the fire of the burning bush. Moses was in the fire of the, of the you know, there's the pillar of fire at night and, the, and the, the cloud or smoke during the day. But he was the only one who could be in the tent of meetings. Joshua went in there later. It was only Moses who could be in that fire. He was the intermediary. And so here they are on the day of Pentecost celebrating this fact that, okay, the people came out of Egypt, the Israelites came out of their bondage on Passover. So how did Christians come out? How how do we come out of our bondage? It's the cross and the resurrection, right? So our Passover is Easter. That's our Passover is salvation. So once the disciples were saved, once we're saved, we get let out of Egypt, but we're in this wilderness. We need to know how to live. And so how do we live? Do we start living based on the law? Do we start living by someone goes up the mountain and gets, gives us a bunch of rules and laws and regulations, and then they come back with the glory and we listen to them? Do we have a Moses who comes down with a glorious face and removes his veil and he's been in the fire and he's been with God and then we listen to him? No, that's not what we do. Because Pentecost shows us a different way. They're all waiting on Pentecost, and it says this tongue, and I'm going to read it again because I just want you to hear this, because sometimes we go over this and we miss the power of what this event is telling us. It's telling us something pretty powerful, not only what happened on that day, but what can happen to every single one of us. It says in verse 2, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. What happened at Pentecost is that fire, the fire that was in the burning bush, the fire that was on Mount Sinai, the the glory of the Lord, came into the room, and the fire divided equally and rested on every single person in that room, every man in that room, every woman in that room, from the youngest to the oldest, from those who knew the least about God to those who knew the most about God from those who were considered the most important to those who were considered the least important, God took his tongue and divided it. And he placed his authority on every single person in that room. The fullness of God's fire. And you look at God's fire in so many ways, like God's fire also becomes, uh, like I was thinking about uh, with Isaiah, where a burning coal is placed on Isaiah's lips to purify him the purifying fire of God. The purifying fire of God rested on every single person in that room equally. The the fire of God that allows people to know God, that allows people to, to walk in prophetic authority, rested equally upon every single person. And that's why 
Peter can stand up and say very strongly, these are the last days, because in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters, male and female, young and old, they're all going to prophesy. They're all going to have dreams and visions, and they're all going to know God's will. In other words, we all go up the mountain together with Moses, and we all abide with God together. We don't need to have a tabernacle built because now we tabernacle with God because God abides in us and with us. The Spirit of the Lord dwells in us. And I I really want to hammer in on this because it is powerful news. And and one one of the passages that shows us so strongly is when you look at Acts 2, Acts 2 really is a is a replacement of a bad structure. That Jesus has come in and he said, you know, uh, the people who've been leading you, the spiritual leaders who've been leading you, they haven't been doing a good job. And we see this in Luke and Mark and Matthew, that the religious authorities and the religious leaders, they've been leading for their own uh, selfish reasons. They don't know God. In fact, we know they don't know God very well because what? They don't even recognize God when God is walking with them. They don't recognize Messiah. Those in positions of authority and power don't recognize God with them. And so in Acts, in Acts 2, there's a replacement. Those people are basically set aside and new leadership is put in place. It's not powerful, controlling men who get to speak and preach and teach. It's every person, male and female, gets to preach and teach and speak. And we know this because the Spirit of the Lord immediately pours on everyone in that room. Everyone receives the fire and authority of God, and immediately people outside the room begin to hear the mighty works of God in their own language. And it doesn't say that, oil just men heard men speaking to them and women heard women speaking to them. They just hear the mighty works of God. So women filled with the Holy Spirit begin to speak in tongues, and men outside the room hear the mighty works of God from women. There's just It's just broken apart. Young men and women filled with the Holy Spirit have the fire of God within them, have the authority of God within them, have God. And they begin to speak, and the prophetic utterances begin to flow out of that room and transform everyone who needs the power of God. Because when Christ is in you, people will hear Christ. And Christ doesn't limit himself. Christ doesn't say, well, you know, I'm only going to speak to that person or this person or that person. Christ is going to speak to any person who has ears to hear. So any Christian, male or female, who has Christ in them, when you speak, you're going to transform lives, male or female. It's just going to happen. And so we see this radical shift where basically all these hierarchical orders, all these peoples in positions of power, they're stripped of their authority and basically anyone who has Christ, anyone who's willing to yield, anyone else, anyone who's willing to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit receives the fire of God. That burning bush experience, the fire doesn't it do, fire doesn't rest on that bush, the fire rests on you. The fire doesn't rest on Mount Sinai, the fire rests on you. And you now have the abiding Holy Spirit to give you the very words of God, to empower you to live out prophetically the leading of God. And you see this in Jeremiah 23, 24. Here's God's rebuke of the false prophets, the false leaders. He says, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesied lies in my name. 
saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. See this language? These are what the false prophets did. They had dreams, but they said their own dreams. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophets who has dreams tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. See, this is authority. My word is like fire. See, it's a divided tongue that goes into the room. God takes his tongue and the prophets were often called the tongue of God or the, or the mouth of God. And God divides his tongue, the authority to speak, and he gives it to everyone. And we see this right here in Jeremiah. God says, my word is a fire, and it breaks the yoke. It breaks strongholds. It transforms lives. And these false prophets are saying their own words for their own deeds and their own thoughts. And so he goes on in Jeremiah 23 and rebukes them, and you can read all that. But what I see here, this, this, this goes so well with what we see that happens in Acts 2. Because it's, it's, a, it's a fire that's a divided tongue. So think, see it this way, that God's tongue, God's true voice, God's true will is divided. And it's given to every single person in that room. No, Peter doesn't just get it. John doesn't just get it. The men don't just get it. Everyone in that room gets the tongue of God. The ability to speak God's words, to proclaim God's words, to live out God's words. And immediately, the result of them having that tongue, which we see if you read on in Acts 2, is that anyone who is in hearing distance begins to hear the mighty works of God, and they repent and they follow God. That's the power of the kingdom of God. That's the power of the fire of God. The glory of God. Pentecost is incredibly important. Pentecost is a replacement of living by the law, and, and the parallels are so strong here that uh, we see this in the Old Testament. There was freedom from bondage in Egypt, but every generation and every person was required to receive the law. That You can't just have your grandparents, your great-grandparents, but... You need to read the law and receive the word and follow the word and follow the law. Well, this is true with Pentecost as well, that once there was a giving of Pentecost, but we don't live by the law. We don't live based on what our grandparents do, but we could have been freed from bondage and freed from Egypt and saved, and you and I have been saved through the cross of Jesus Christ and let out of our bondage, and we've had our Passover or we've had our, our Easter morning and we've had our Resurrection Sunday but we can still be wandering in the wilderness. And we need to do more than wander. We need to live lives of spirit-led, fire-empowered existence. And in order to do that, we need our Pentecost, where we yield and we say, come Holy Spirit. I don't want an intermediary. I don't want someone else to go up to that mountain. I don't want to live based on laws and rules and regulations or someone else's sermons or someone else's books or listen to other people's radio shows every day. I want to be led by you. I need my Pentecost. 
I need your tongue of fire to divide and rest on me because I know that I have just as much authority to be a son or daughter of the Most High God and to walk out my life and my faith as anyone else. I need my Pentecost. So I encourage you today to place yourself in that upper room if you haven't done this yet and to surrender and to receive the divided tongue and to let that tongue of fire to rest upon you so that you can have your burning bush experience, so that you can have your Moses Mount Sinai experience, so that you can know the will of the Lord and so you can walk in your prophetic authority, so that you can know and do the kingdom, so that the fire of God can be in you, so that you can burn with the fire of God. Burn with the fire of God. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to the Fairly Spiritual Show. If you want to text the show, here's the number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. If you want this show to stay on the air, then go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today. That's fairlyspiritual.org. $25, $50, $100, all of it matters. fairlyspiritual.org. And please pick up my book, The Community of God, a theology of the church from a reluctant pastor. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.